Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Amen. I love that song. Amen. A mighty name. Let's stand together. Invite Brother Ben to the pulpit. Amen. Since he's so great, his name is great, he's great, and he's got our lives in his hands. Amen. Let's do this this morning. I'll cast all my cares on him. Amen. I will cast all of my cares upon you. Tell him now. Whatever care you need you have this morning, let's do it. I will lay all of my burdens. Amen. Amen. Sounds so easy to do, but we're so hard, so hard for us to give up. Oh, I don't know just what to do. I will cast. All of my kids, tell him again now, amen. I will cast off. Aren't you glad you can do that this morning? Oh, I'll lay all of my burdens, every one of them this morning, down at your feet. come to your throne. We thank you, Lord, that you accept us today in the Beloved because you came and died for our sins. 
we thank you for that today. Lord, I pray that you would come and meet every one of these needs. You're, you're a God who is able, Lord. Your arm is not short. Lord, you're able to come and speak to every heart, to speak to my heart, Lord, and move me out of the way and speak through lips of clay today. Lord, that your name would be magnified, that your word would be real in our lives. Lord, that it wouldn't just be letters on a page, but that it would be lived, manifested in our lives. We thank you for it today. I pray for those that are sick and in need. Lord, those that we've been praying for, we're holding on today and believing, God, that you're going to do a mighty miracle in their lives. Lord, I pray if there would be one here that doesn't know you like they should, Father, that they would immediately come to the cross today and surrender themselves, Lord, and bring themselves completely under your control. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You love him this morning. Amen. Isn't it good to feel his presence and to know that he's here? Not only to feel him, but to know he's here according to his word. Where he said, where two or three are gathered together, I am in their midst. Yes. What a promise that is today. Amen. 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 What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord and to know that God has everything in his control. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. I'd like to speak to you today on the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. We've been preaching on the rapture and I will get back to that, but this was on my heart today and I trust it will be a blessing to you. It's good to have each and every one of you. Good to have our visitors today and, and all of you that are here. Some of you have been sick. Sister Karen is here this morning. Brother Bill's good to see you guys here today. And each one of you, Brother Glenn, back with us today. And all of you that are able to be here. And uh, we pray that the service would be a blessing to you. And we come to put our shoulder to the wheel. And, and all of us should do that. And not just to listen to a sermon, but to participate in the service and to be a part. And so we pray uh, that we could do that today. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I pray the Lord would add his blessing to the word. You may be seated this morning. We know that... Our Lord Jesus Christ is God. Yes. He must be divine. He, he, we, we prove that from the scripture and we can prove that today. We've also been taught that truth in the hour that we live in. That when God came to save us, he did not wrap himself in light. Well, I'm so glad that he didn't. He didn't come. He could have wrapped himself in the stars. And come down and, and, and as, as a star, as a light. He could have come even in the appearance of an angel. As he did to Joshua there outside of Jericho in the Old Testament. He could have come as the captain of the Lord's host. As a mighty warrior, angel. But he didn't do that. He wrapped himself in humanity. Yes, sure. He wrapped himself in humanity. He was the man. Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. So he was completely God, and yet he was completely man. And I want to focus this morning on his humanity because we need to see that God came down and wrapped himself in us, in what we are, in what we experience. 
in what we go through in life. So that we can have, as Paul says in the Hebrews, a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. So he comes from birth all the way into death. He comes and experiences humanity in, in a real way. He doesn't come like a human. Yeah. Right. He doesn't come like a, a man. He is a man. God came as a man. So he was, not, he was not coming and associating himself with humans, or he was not coming as another class of humans. He was not a better class of human. He was a man. Though he was virgin born, yet he was a man like us. He come as a man. But yet he was also the almighty God. Yes. And so now he come in this way and he, he displayed the attributes of God. And yet sometimes the attributes of a man. Because he got tired and fell asleep. And sometimes he hurt. And sometimes he, he cried out to God. And sometimes he, he, he got frustrated. Are you with me now? Sometimes he was tempted. Sometimes he, but he never sinned. Oh, I'm so glad for a perfect God like that. A God so perfect that he could create time and space and everything else and yet be perfect enough that he could come down in my world. Come down among a world of failures. Come down among a world of people who were who were lost, the people who did everything they could do in the wrong way. Yeah. Have you ever had a day like that? Where you woke up one day and, and, and you realized that you couldn't do anything right? Yeah. You spilled the coffee and, and, and you couldn't you mismatched your clothes and you get to work and, and you find out that everything's falling apart and everybody's doing everything wrong and they're, they're putting up the wrong kind of stuff and doing the wrong kind of stuff and if you're a boss your employers employees are messing up if you're an employee your boss is messing up and so you live in the what is that it's humanity yeah. Yeah. Would, listen Jesus had days like that. He come and wrapped himself in such a way so that he would have days like that. Which seemed like nothing went right. Had days like that when he was rejected. Days like you have when it seemed like that his body just, he couldn't push it another bit, another minute. He had to go aside and rest. We know that when the people come around him, they, they pressed him so much. And, and he prayed for the sick so long until he was tired. And he needed to go find a place to have a vacation. When he told the disciples, let us go aside and rest. He was human. He experienced the human condition. Oh, my. He come down and displayed the attributes of a man. And yet he could display the attributes of God. In Mark 4, 38, it says he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He wasn't sleeping to act like a man. He was sleeping because he was a man. Are you with me this morning? Oh, I hope you can, you can get, I know it's simple, but if we could just really get a grasp of it. He wasn't acting like a man. Yeah. He was a man, yeah. which means, Matty, that he was your age once. Yes, sir. And, he, and he was just like you right. as far as a human being. He, 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 he could touch like you can touch. And, yeah. and he had friends like you have friends. Right. He had a mom and dad he had to listen to. Yeah. The Bible says he submitted them himself to them. Right. He, he was human, yeah. and yet he was God. Man. 
But he come down so that he could be just like us and live just like us and walk just like us so that he would know what we were going through. Right. And so that he could die for us. Because we couldn't be redeemed by an angel. That's right. Because it wasn't an angel that fell. Yes. Are you with me now? In the garden, what fell in the garden was a man. Yes. And so for a man had to come so that we could be redeemed. Right. Amen. If Adam fell, Adam means man. If Adam fell, Adam has to come and redeem man back. Yes, right. Hallelujah. He was asleep on a pillow because he got tired from preaching. He knew what it was like to work and be tired. If you've ever gotten home, get to the end of a long day, and all you want to do is sit back in your recliner and lay back and just, and just sit back and go to sleep. Well, Danny, he knew what that was like. He, he was asleep in the boat. And the disciples were taking care of the rowing. And they're going along, and, and it says he was asleep on a pillow, and after a while a storm come up. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose. Oh, my. You see, he was more than a man. He was a man, but he had such confidence. Are you with me now? Such confidence in who he was, but Alan, that he could stand up in the boat. And he just got up. Wiped the sleep out of his eyes because he was a man. Maybe yawned and stretched because he was a man. But walked to the ship because he was God. Walked to the bow of the ship and put his foot upon the brow and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Oh my. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? Yes. Now watch what they said. What kind of a man? Yes. What level of man yes. is this? Right. What caused this man who looks like a man, who, who, who gets tired like a man? Yes. Are you with me this morning? Yes, who goes through what men goes through? We've seen him eat fish. We've seen him, we've seen him have to take a shower. Yes. Are you with me now? This was a man who walked on dirt roads. Yes. This was a man. We've seen him. We know what he's, what he's like. We've seen him fishing in the boat. We've seen him as he, as he went among men. We've seen him. We know how, what he is. He's a man. Yes, sir. What manner of man is this? What kind of a man is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Yes. Yes. It wasn't a man. When the wind and the sea obeyed him, they obeyed God. Yes, yes sir. Yes. Are you with me now? Yeah. Amen. Oh, my. <laughs> you talk about a great God. That could be tired, wake, be, be awakened. Brother Brown said he lay there with the desire to be awakened. Yeah. And, and he woke up as a man and could rebuke the wind and it listened to him. Yes, sir. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Brother Branham said his disciples couldn't understand his miracles. Yeah. Many of his disciples still can't understand miracles today. His disciples couldn't understand his miracles. That night when he came into the boat, he said, What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Yeah. They misunderstood that he wasn't a man. He was God. Yeah. Rem remember, he was completely man. And he was completely God. Right. Yes, sir. He said, and that's what's the matter today with people. Listen, they want to make him a little mascot boy. 
or something another that carries the bat. They want to make him a little fellow around the camp. Forgive me, I don't mean to offend you if you've got something like this, but coffee and Jesus. All I need is some coffee and Jesus. Jesus isn't caffeine. He might have drank caffeine, I don't know. They drank tea, I guess, back then. We know that he drank the, 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 the drinks that everybody else did in that day. If they'd have had soda pop, he'd have drank soda pop. Are you with me now? But he wasn't a mascot boy. He wasn't just a, he wasn't just a stimulant. He wasn't just somebody to be there in case you mess up so you can go and confess to him like a priest so you can have a confess to him so you can go out and sin again. No, that's not who he is. He's God. So they want to make him just a little fellow around the camp. And I want to get to this before we focus again on him being a man. I want to get to this because you've got to understand who he was, why he could say, storm be still. Amen. And so why could rebuke the winds? He said he was God. He said they want to make him this. He wasn't a little fellow around the camp. Oh, I hope we don't make him a little fellow around the camp today. I hope we don't make him just another, another, another prophet, another thing. No, he's more than a prophet. He's not just a little fellow around the camp. We, this church does not worship a man. We do not worship a prophet. We do not worship a preacher. We do not worship a pastor. We do not worship. We worship God manifested in flesh. Yes, sir. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to worship any of the seven angel messengers. I'm not going to worship Gabriel. I'm not going to worship any of the angels. I'm not going. I'm going to worship Christ Jesus. Yes, sir. I'm going to worship God who came as a man. Yes, sir. Are you with me now? He, 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 was, he wasn't just one of them. He said they misunderstood him. They expected him to be just one of them. But he wasn't one of them. He was God among them. Yes. He was more than a man. Yes. He said, as I've often said, he was a man when he was hungry. But he was God when he fed 5,000 with a biscuit. Yes. Glory. Two biscuits and some pieces of fish. He was a man. I feel good about this this morning. He said he was a man when he was tired on the back of a boat. But he was God when he ceased the winds and waves. Made them obey him. What manner of man is this? Listen to me. That same God is living on the inside of you today. That same God is manifesting himself in the lives of his bride today. In the lives of his children today. That same God is able today. You're a, you're a man when you get cancer. You're a, you're a woman when you go through what you go through. Are you with me now? You're human. Amen. But when something raises up inside of you and says, I'm healed by the power of God, what is that? That's more than a man. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all going to preach with me today? He was God when he made the ways obey him. Hallelujah. What manner of man is this? He wasn't a manner of a man. In other words, it wasn't just a different kind of a man. He was God manifested in a man. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, my. See, there's all kinds of different kinds of men. There's men who can preach, men who can't preach. Men who can sing, men who can't sing. Human beings who can do all kinds of different things. Men with gifts. But this wasn't just a man with gifts. This was the fullness of the body of the Godhead bodily. Hey, man, it wasn't just a man with gifts. It was God manifested in the flesh. What manner of man is this? He wasn't a manner of a man. It was God manifested in a man. They misunderstood him. They thought him to be a man. Mary's son, a carpenter, but he was God manifested in the flesh. Yes. Hallelujah. You see, he never ceased being God. Yeah. Yeah. 
thought about this. Brother Branham said until he was baptized, he walked as a man. But he never ceased to be in God. And the scriptures give us one insight on his life when he was 12 years old. Just enough to be able to tell us that he went up to the temple. And he disputed with them in the temple and he was the word. Right? But then he submitted himself to his mother and father. So Brother Brown said he walked as a man for all of those years, for 30 years. And now yeah. he finally come to the baptism. And now, but he was always God. Yeah. Yeah. And he proved it because when they brought him to a wedding, which is a very human thing to do, by the way, attend a wedding. Yeah. Right? Isn't that a very human thing to do? It just displays his humanity so greatly that he would go to a wedding and he would show up at the wedding and they got to the wedding and they realized they didn't bring enough food or enough wine. They didn't have enough air to, to, for the people to drink. And, and, you know, that's always a thought in the back of your mind. Man, more people showed up than what we thought they would and, and here we don't have enough food. And so they were worried about it. They were concerned about it. They were stressed out about it. And his mother says, you know, I know he's God. Yeah. Hallelujah. If anybody knew he was more than a man, Mary knew it because she stood there and she knew that he was born of a virgin because she was that virgin. Oh, my. She had a personal experience. She wasn't relying on what somebody else said. Listen to me. If you have a personal experience with God, you're not relying on somebody else telling you whether the Lord Jesus is alive today, whether he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not relying on some guy down the street telling you what, what's going on. You're not relying on a pastor telling you. You, you, knew, you were there yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. As the song said, I was there when it happened. I guess I ought to know. Hallelujah. She was there. She says, whatever he says, do it. <laughs> he turns the water into wine. Yes. That was more than a man. Are you with me now? And we're not limiting that, that power. He poured it out. All that God was, he poured into Christ. All that Christ was, he poured into the church. Yes. And so he poured that out into each and every one of our lives. Listen, he was a man, though he never ceased being God, because his humanity was absolutely essential to our salvation. He wasn't a man as an afterthought. God said, I'm going to go save the people. And I guess just, just to see what it's like. Oh, come down as a man. That's not what he was at all. It wasn't God thinking, well, I guess I'll go down and kind of feel what they feel like. And No, it was God manifesting himself as a man because it was the only way. Yeah. There's only one way to salvation. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Listen to me. You mess with Christ. Listen, in the sense that you take away his deity. You take what are you you're taking away salvation? You're de you're destroying your own salvation by taking don't take away Christ. Don't take away the man Christ Jesus. Don't take away his deity. and Don't take away his humanity. Because if you do, yeah. you destroy salvation. Because yes, that's the gospel. Yes. God was born of a virgin. The created blood of God come down in the womb. Made him so, so small that he become just a germ in the womb of a woman. And then cell built on top of cell. What was it? God reproducing himself as a man. He could have been a pillar of light. He could have been stars. He could have been whatever he wanted to be. But he reproduced himself as a man. Amen. And that man had to die. We couldn't be saved. 
Oh, I hope we understand that today. See, Brother Ben, that's not very deep. If we lose that, it doesn't matter what else we understand. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Are you with me now? It doesn't matter what else we understand. We are hopeless yeah. without a Savior. Right. How else are we going to come to approach to a holy God? By knowledge? By keeping the law? You're going to try to keep it without a sacrifice? How are you going to approach God without a sacrifice? I look at the Jews today and I think, my, you know, and they're always looking forward to a time when they can rebuild the temple. Why? Because they're trying to approach God by law. And they recognize there's no atonement in it. There is no atonement in the law alone. There's no atonement in the letter. The letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. Sir. Are you with me now? You can't present yourself. You can't present yourself. Well, I've always been a good boy. I've always lived a good life. I went to church. I, I listened to Brother Ben preach. I listened to this other brother preach. I, I watch the services. I, I listen to tapes. I read books. I do that. You can do whatever you want to. But if you don't come by this man, yeah. Christ Jesus, then you can't be saved. And if you'll acknowledge him, the scripture tells us that if you won't acknowledge him here, you will acknowledge him over there because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. When you come up in the second resurrection, you will. There will be a time there's a general resurrection of the dead. And you will acknowledge who he is. When the man Christ Jesus is a judge. I don't want to meet him as a judge, do you? I want to meet him in his humanity and in his deity. That's the man Christ Jesus. We know he was a man because he was misunderstood. How many of you have ever been misunderstood? Yeah. I think we could all say amen to that. Amen. He was misunderstood. Isaiah 53 and 1. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, when the report was given and he told them who he was, they didn't believe him. They never understood why he did what he did. His birth was misunderstood. In John 1, 46, Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? See, Nazareth veiled Bethlehem. Isn't it interesting how it happened? Because it would be hid from the eyes of the wise and prudent. And the wise and prudent understood. Herod's theologians understood that he would come from Bethlehem. Right? And so he was born in Bethlehem from Nazareth. Just visiting Bethlehem. Are you with me now? So he fulfilled the scripture, but Nazareth veiled Bethlehem from the people. Don't you realize that's the same thing that happens today? That your natural birth hides your supernatural birth from the people? Your natural birth veils you, and so your nat- in your natural birth you make mistakes. In your natural birth you, you're human, right? You're human, and you're not virgin born, right? You're, you're, a natu- you're human. You, you just go around clumsy. I do anyway. I can't speak for all of you. But I go around clumsy, and if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And, and I, know, I just know that's, that's the way it's going to be. I know that's the way it's going to happen. But I'm so glad that that's not the limit of who I am. But my Nazareth upbringing, amen, the family I was born into, the place where I live. Are you with me now? Arkansas hides Jerusalem. Are you with me? Oh, my, the place that I was born, the family that I was born in, it veils. Bethlehem. Yeah. Yes, good. yes, sir. Huh. Good. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? 
Matthew 13, 54, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Must have stumbled him. We would think that those closest to Jesus would be the ones who would understand it the most. It's actually the ones who were the most stumbled by him. Listen to me. Many times you'd think that, well, if I'm close to a pastor, if I'm close to a preacher, if I'm close to that, no, you'll probably be the one that's more likely to be stumbled. Right? Because you see the humanity. And, and I, we should be close to one another. We should. But many times we get close to somebody and think, well, they're not what I thought they were. <laughs> but that's what they did with Jesus. Jesus, you have a great ministry. We see the sick being healed. But you're Joseph's son. We watched you for years. If you were God, why did he allow you to play and grow up there among the carpentry tools? Why did he let you? Why did your mother have to yell at you to come in the house? Yes, sir. Why were you just around all the other kids? Why don't you look different? Are you with me now? Is not this the carpenter's son? We know where he come from. Run the ancestry thing? Oh, if they could have only had DNA, you know. <laughs> His DNA matches, go back and says, God. <laughs> but then when they run back to genealogies, because they were big on that in those days, they run back to genealogies, they run it all the way back, and they said, well, this is Joseph's son. He was born in this certain tribe. He's born in Nazareth. He, he come up under this certain, this certain family, and, and he probably looked like all the rest of the family. You think about it. Whatever his human characteristics were, they weren't different. Oh my. Is not this carp a carp the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. Oh my. They were offended, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was human. Listen to me. If it's a revelation to you that a prophet of God is human, if that's a revelation yet to come, you're going to, be, you're going to have a problem. Because you're going to realize at some point that he was. If, it, if, it has to be a, if that's something you've not realized that your pastor is human, you're going to realize at some point that he is. Right? And, and if we could say it this way, I, you know, I, I'm no more than any of the rest of you when it comes to those things. I'm human. I'm human, and I have to guard myself against that. But when God came down in flesh, yeah. he was human too. Yeah. Right. I struggle with the same things other young men struggle with. And sometimes that's a hindrance to... Ministers, when they begin to come up because they don't realize you struggle with the same thing, you got to take care of that. You got to deal with those things. If you don't deal with it, you're going to deal with it later. Just because you're a preacher, don't mean you never have to repent. Because you're a preacher, don't mean you don't ever have to come back and come back to the cross. Right. <laughs> but see, we're, we're human. But he was a human. But he didn't make any mistakes. But he was human. Does that make sense? Amen. Jesus, we're too hard on ourselves sometimes. We're too legalistic. Amen. All right. 
Jesus probably broke things in the carpenter shop. <laughs> Think about that. His dad had to teach him how to build things. And he probably broke some of them. Messed it up. He didn't sin when he did that. Because he did no sin. I'm just talking to you this morning. But many times we attribute sin to things that it's not. Just being human. Are you with me? And we should take, a, we should take if there's any sin in our lives, we need that to be covered by the blood. We need that eradicated. We don't want it in our lives. We don't want it in the church. But sometimes it's just human beings. And sometimes we think, well, that person is against us. That person doesn't think good about us. That person is human. Right? The pastor sinned. He didn't call me when I thought he should have. That pastor is human. Are you with me now? My wife, she didn't communicate with me like she should have. She is human. It has nothing to do with her salvation. My husband, he didn't do this right. He, didn't, he messed up in his finances. He's human. Yeah, that's right. Jesus never did make very much money. Jesus, you think about this. We feel condemned sometimes. We think, well, if I, if I was a better Christian, I'd be better at, at doing my work. And we should be diligent in doing our work. But Jesus might have made a piece of furniture, whatever that a carpenter did in that day. If he was building furniture, he might have made a piece of furniture, and it cost more to make than it did to sell. And he comes back with a loss. He didn't sin. <laughs> well, I'm shaking up your ideas, aren't I, this morning? <laughs> you never thought about that? He was human. Not, he didn't just act like a human. Jesus wasn't walking around. I'm going to have to keep some of this. I'm not going to be able to preach all of it. But Jesus didn't walk around, you know, when he was a little kid with a robe on and a shawl, chanting things and, and walking around speaking things into existence. And that, That's Catholic. That's not God. That's not the way that he came. The Catholics have this huge, uh, this very large repertoire of stories that they have that uh, Jesus did this, this, and this when he was little. None of that's in the Scripture. We don't know what he did and didn't do. But I, if he was human, are you with me? He probably got excited if they had ice cream. He didn't live where it was wealthy either. He lived where it was poor. He had to struggle. He probably got hungry and knew what it was like to, be, to have those pains of hunger. When the Romans come through and took the taxes away, took all the things away, and his family had to do without he knew what it was like. He was tempted to be like all the other young men who were running away and going out into the armies and, and becoming zealots and becoming going with all these terrorist-like groups that were out there in that day that would come around and try to destroy the Roman people, the freedom fighters. He was tempted maybe to become one of them because that was the culture of the day. It was so harsh. The, the, the power that had come in there, that Roman power was so harsh in that day. Maybe he was tempted to run away and be one of them, but he never did it. Yeah. Oh, my might have looked at the politics of the day and said, what in the world is going on? Yeah. He was 30 years old before he began his public ministry. Yes, sir. They were offended in him because they seen him like this for 30 years. So, well, you started awful late if you're going to be God now. 
<laughs> you know what they do to us sometimes? <laughs> Buddy, I knew you when you was a child. <laughs> huh? I knew what he was like. If you'd have known me, but Matthew McGarry's coming next week. If you knew Matthew McGarry before he became a Christian, you might not. <laughs> might not attribute much to his ministry. If you knew Ben Pruitt before he became a Christian, you might not attribute much to his ministry. Are you with me now? <laughs> they misunderstood. He did not many mighty works there because of their own unbelief. And he said, a prophet is not without honor saving his own country own house. His life was misunderstood. They misunderstood why an ill-famed woman would wash his feet. <laughs> they didn't understand that at all. You talk about breaking up legalism. They didn't get it. This was a prostitute. <laughs> to put it in plain terms. And she come down into Pharisee's house and he's sitting there with his legs behind him and she comes up behind him and she touches his feet. And she begins to anoint his feet with oil. And when she does, he doesn't move. Because if he'd have moved, it would have scared her. And, and the Pharisee looked at him and looked at that situation. And he began to ponder that in his heart. And he began to say, well, you know, that couldn't be him. The Bible said when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. Here she is, and she's behind him, and she anoints his feet. She's touching him. They didn't touch sinners. It meant he was defiled according to their law, according to their tradition. And so she's touching his feet, and, and she, she poured the oil on his feet, and, and, and their tears have fallen down on, on his feet and washed the dirt and the grime off. And she's laying there or kneeling there behind him as he, as he was reclining there at the table. And she is kneeling behind him, and she's, she's weeping, and she's wiping her feet with her, his feet with her hair. And, and, you know, if somebody started doing that to me, the deacons would come get them. I'm not kidding about that. <laughs> because you think, you think about that, you think, good grief. You know, what's this woman doing? She's out of her mind. And Simon said he would have known who she is. I wonder how Simon knew who she was. But Simon said if she, he had known who she was, he wouldn't have allowed it. See, they misunderstood his life. He was just human. He was human, but he was being anointed for a death that no one else could die. Oh my. His death was misunderstood. Brother Branham said the disciples at Calvary, they misunderstood when they all denied him and went away. How could they see a man, a man that they'd known to perform miracles and raise the dead, yet submit himself to death and walk up through there beaten and crying, the spit running off his face. Blood mixed with it where they pulled their handfuls of, handfuls of beard out, plucked it from his face and warped his back till his bones were shining through. And kicking him and beating him around, then cussing drunken soldiers, beating him right up the street and stand and let them do that? They misunderstood. So they stood far off. I wonder sometimes if our misunderstanding of who he is today when he's veiled again in human flesh. Yeah. Right? We're not the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but we are the sons and daughters of God. We do have the Holy Spirit. We have God living within us, and people misunderstand that today. And so they stand far off from the house of God because they say, look at those humans. Right. Yeah. 
Sure. Look among those humans, there's problems. Look among those humans, there's difficulty. Look among those humans, there's people who don't get their healing. Look among those humans, there's people who die and go by way of their grave. Look at those human beings. Look at the mistakes that they make, but they misunderstand, so they stand afar off. The devil misunderstood him. <laughs> the devil said, surely that cannot be a son of God that would stand there and be mistreated like that. Them cussing him, my disciples down there, just treating him anyway, and him taking it. He's not the son of God. Also the Pharisees, the priests misunderstood him. Said, if thou be the son of God, bring yourself down off of there. The thief on his left misunderstood him. Said, if thou be the son of God, take us off the cross. Save yourself and us too. But the thief on the right understood him. Oh my, it doesn't take a doctor's degree to understand him. Sometimes to understand Jesus, you just have to be on the cross with him. Come on, Sometimes to get you to understand him, he just wants to let you. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Do you want to know more about him? Do you want to know more about his his character, about who he is? Do you want to see him as your savior and surrender yourself to the cross? Yes. Surrender yourself to him and say, Lord, I know. Now I understand you. Yes. Amen. He understood him. He said, we've done evil. We deserve what we're getting. Oh, when you really understand, you don't, you don't, you don't puff yourself up. You don't become like some kind of a, a great man or a great woman, but you become humble. Why? Because you understand we deserve what we're getting. But this man's done nothing. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, watch that voice come back today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. He understood. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Oh, we, we, we can't limit how, what God wants to do. That was the first good thing Brother David that that, that, that thief had ever done. The first time he'd ever maybe even thought about God. But he was there on the cross and he looked to his left and he understood. All that we would understand today. That we could sacrifice ourselves. That we could, we could, we cannot atone for our own sins. But we can surrender ourselves to the cross so that we understand, Lord, I see in my trial. I see in what I'm going through. I see in my struggles that you are who you say you are. You are my redeemer. You are my atonement. Yes, sir. I can't do it in myself. Amen. He said he understood that that was God dying for his sins. The Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He understood that that was God dying for our sins. The only way he could die would be to put to death in the flesh. He can't be put to death in spirit because he's the eternal spirit. He had to be in flesh to be put to death. So they just misunderstood. But he understood it. Hallelujah. You see, the man Christ Jesus was not an attractive man. He's still not attractive to some people today. That's why they try to find some philosophy to explain him away. Don't do that to my Jesus. Are you with me now? Don't do that to my Jesus. Don't take what is a reality and explain it away by men's creeds. Try to make him something that he's not. Try to place some other man by him. No one can stand by him. Try to make some other man a redeemer. No one else can be a redeemer. There's one lamb. <laughs> He's not attractive to the world today. <laughs> not attractive. We'll go back to Isaiah 53 and 2. 
It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as we're preparing for this Easter season, I thought this would be good for us to think about and as we prepare to take communion this afternoon. It said, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, speaking of the virgin birth. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's not valued. The characteristics that attract us to Christ, his humility, his suffering, his love, those things are not valued in the world that he was born in. He was born into a world that valued power, not love. They valued the victory, not suffering. But to be victorious, he had to suffer. To have all power given to him in heaven and earth, he had to come as a man. He had to suffer as a man. He had to die. There's no beauty that we should desire him. We didn't desire him because he wasn't pretty. Are you with me this morning? He was probably a little fellow, stoop-shouldered, ruddy-looking. He wasn't desirable to be a leader. He didn't look like a leader. Talked with common street talk and so forth like the people does. And sometimes we get so up and high and mighty and we say, Oh, God, we, we bless you, Father God. And it's like he talked to the people like they were normal. Right. Yeah. You realize he did? Yes, sir. And I believe we should have a reverence for the things of God. I really believe that. But he did talk to people like they were normal. Yes, sir. Yeah. He carried on conversations. Uh-huh. Probably come up to him and didn't immediately say, What do you believe? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we like to do. Walk up to somebody, throw it in their face. What do you believe? Bless God. Have you heard about a prophet? Jesus might have walked up to somebody and said, that's a nice tunic that you've got on. (laughs) He was human. (laughs) You look nice today. Did you go fishing yesterday? (laughs) Called out across the lake to him and says, have you caught any fish? (laughs) If not, I got some created fish here for you. Did you find any happiness down there where you were? What's your life been like, sir? What's your life been like, lady? Have have you had any happiness? You've been searching for something all this time? Has it brought you any happiness? Has it done anything for you? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about a God who loves you, who cares for you, who wants to save you. You didn't talk like a leader. You didn't walk up there and bless God. But he come out and he said, this day this scripture is fulfilled. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yes. He was just an ordinary man. He talked like the people does, the common people. So therefore he didn't look like he was any great scholar, educated, fine, all robed up and everything. He was just an ordinary man. There was no beauty of him that we should desire him. He walked in and out of man right along and they didn't even know who he was. Yeah. They served Jesus at some restaurants and they didn't know who he was. Can you imagine the person on that day? I know I'm letting my imagination get away with me this morning. I'm sorry. But can you imagine showing up at the second death? Here comes some waiter from Galilee from a restaurant, if they had such a thing in that day. And he, and he, 
stumbles out there and, you know, Brother Brandon said they'd come up in the body they went down in. So he'd come up in that old body and maybe become an old man and died. Never heard of Jesus. He walks up there. He sees this, this one sitting on a throne. He sees his bride with him. He looks at him and says, he looks familiar. Did I serve you coffee one time? There'll be people like that. There'll be people who helped Jesus naturally who never knew who he was. There'll be those who stood there with him and all around him and he passed in and out of the people. And they never even recognized who he was. Didn't I serve you coffee sometime? Didn't I even, didn't I even go by and I bought some furniture from your dad? I, I worked with him. Don't you remember me? Oh my. They didn't know who he was. He was so common. He was just an ordinary man. He walked in and out of man right along. They didn't even know who he was. He didn't look like a God walking along. What we would think was a God, but the same he was. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Mark 12, 37, that the common people heard him gladly. Oh, my. The Pharisees didn't because they, they just couldn't get past his humanity. We find out that the Bible was written in such common language, he must have used the grammar that was used out on the street, just common people. The Bible said the common people heard him gladly. Maybe the intellectuals could not associate themselves in such a common person. Boy, this makes me feel better. Ought to make you feel better too. Spoke in such withdrawals and so forth. <laughs> Maybe mixed up his words sometimes. Oh, Jesus would have never done that. He was Galilean. He spoke in Aramaic with the common language of the people. He didn't even speak the Bible. The New Testament wasn't even written in Hebrew, most of it. It was just a common language, the common people. But I believed it. You believed it. Why did you believe it? There was something on the inside. I said, that's right. And that's why you can't talk us out of it. Right? Because the common people heard the common language and they didn't have to run it back and see, well, was it printed this way? Was this done or was this done to it? Well, you can't have any confidence in it. No, what the common people did is said, that's my Savior. When I needed a Savior, the woman at the well said, I had five husbands and I'm living with another one. And here come a man who told me all that I ever did. Is not this the Messiah? I don't care if he told me in Aramaic or in Greek or in any other kind of a language. I don't care what language he spoke in. Whether he misinterpreted, whether his words stumbled over one another. I don't care anything about that. Here's a man who told me the secrets of my heart. Can you look past the humanity today and see God working in his people? Can you look past the humanity and see Christ coming to save you? Maybe the intellectuals couldn't, but we did. He said it was a little too much for them. It is yet today. Yeah. Matthew 26, 73. And we know Peter spoke in a dialect because it says, Your speech bereath thee or betrayeth you. It actually, your speech betrays you because you are Galilean. You have a Galilean accent. In other words, you talk like a hillbilly. That's literally what they were telling you. You talk like a hillbilly. <laughs> In John 8, 43, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, why do you not understand my speech? They might have said, well, you, you don't speak in a way we can understand. But they didn't understand because they couldn't hear the word. Yes. Yeah. 
come to Brother Branham like that, and a man come to him and said, the people would receive you better if you'd say pulpit instead of pole pit. And Brother Branham said he got the stander up a little bit. <laughs> he said, but the sick are healed, yep. the blind see. <laughs> he said, these people don't want to, don't care how I talk. He said, they want to see a man that lives it and preaches it <laughs> and manifests it. Amen. You, you may talk like a hillbilly, but what kind of word are you saying? He was misunderstood. He was not attractive. He was also a rejected man. In Isaiah 53 and 3, how, how many of you know what it's like to be rejected? Many of you do. It, it maybe you were rejected by your family, maybe by your church, maybe by some other person somewhere. You know what it's like to be rejected. He's despised and rejected of men. Yes. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Look what he said when he was there in Jerusalem, and he's walking out onto the hill in Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets, and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Branham said it was a type way back when David was leaving the temple. A rejected king went down through the street and a little old crippled up fellow crawling along never did like him. He called him an old hypocrite or something. Spit right in his face. Yeah. That guard pulled the sword and said, I'll let that dog's head stay on him. Spit on my king. That's another thing. Get the deacons after you. If you come up here and spit at the preacher. <laughs> now the preacher can spit on you. It's all right, you know. Not intentionally. <laughs> This man come up and spit on the king. Yes, and he went to, the, the guard went to draw his sword. And David said, let him alone. Yes, sir. David was in such a low place that he didn't even care if he got spit on. Yeah. But he was acting out a part that he didn't even know. Yes, he said, God told him that. David, listen to me. You're going through something right now. Maybe you're acting out a part that you don't even know what it is. You're acting out a part. You're acting out salvation for your children. You're acting out something that's going to bring along something in your life that's going to bring good things down the road. But you don't even know what it is. Just keep following the word. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. You may be acting out a part that's going to, that's going to end up in redemption. Listen, David said, let him alone. God told him that. David probably didn't know what he said. Went up on the mountain looking back crying. 800 years from there, the son of David was climbing the same mountain, looking out, weeping over Jerusalem, a rejected king, and they spit in his face. Don't you see it's the same thing? See that word coming on down, following on down today? Always rejected by the majority and believed in the minority. I want to be one of the minority that believes. See, the Bible says if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come, listen, and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak. For their sin. Jesus coming as a human being. Come and spoke to them. And it removed the cloak. No wonder they were mad at him. It pulled off the cloak that, that they had over their sin. And showed them that no man could be justified by the law. Oh my. 
He says, they had not had sin, but now they have both seen. He said, if I had not, he that hateth me hateth my father also. I'm sorry. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. He was also a man of sorrows. How many know that today? He was born. He has borne our griefs, the Bible says. He hath borne our griefs. I hope I'm not boring you this morning. He's carried our sorrows. Yet, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. When Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus, and we may talk about this some as it pertains to the rapture coming, going forward, but in this spot... Jesus saw Martha and Mary weeping, the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. I heard these older kids had to learn a scripture. And I told them to learn Jesus wept. I hope I didn't mess up their Sunday school and learn a scripture by Sunday. But that, that one you can learn pretty quick. You know what that scripture tells us? He was a man. He was a man who could feel enough sorrow at the passing of a friend and who could empathize enough with the people around him and the thing they were going through that he wept at a funeral. Oh, my. Well, real men don't cry. Jesus did. He was a man enough that he felt the sorrow of the passing of a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Glory. But, and this is so important for us because we also, we are human beings. Yes, sir. But we believe in a God who is so much greater than human beings. Amen. Right? So we've got to pass from this. You can't remain there in Jesus wept. Yeah. Right. You can't stay there in John 11.35. But continue on Good. to the next verse. Good. And the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. All right. And some of them said, in the next verse, Could not this man, yeah. which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? They blamed his death. Come on. Come on now. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Come on. Sometimes in our grief we do the same thing. Yes, sir. We blame the death of a loved one on the only thing that could save them from death. But he not only has the power to save someone from death, but to bring them back from death. He said, do you believe? He told Martha, do you believe? She said, I believe you'll come up in the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. When he said that, he was not a man. When he said that, he was not speaking as a human being. He was speaking as God, the creator. Amen. They could speak. And he walked to the grave of Lazarus. He cried. He wept with them. And then he walked to the grave. He said, roll away the stone. And they rolled back the stone. And when they did, there was a dead man laying on the inside. And he said, Lazarus. Because if he hadn't identified him, everything would have come up. He said, Lazarus. Hallelujah. And that same voice is the voice of the resurrection where it said there will be a shout and a voice and the trumpet. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and a voice and a trumpet. And that same voice is speaking. Amen. It's speaking to those that have went on. Those that went on by way of the grave. And it says, you come forth. Yes. Right. Amen. When he does, when he does, when he speaks. God. 
A man had been dead three days. Bound in his grave clothes. Somehow found the strength to hop out. I say hop out because he was bound. <laughs> I said, somebody let cut me loose and let me go. <laughs> I wonder this morning if at the voice of Jesus, a man that had been there for three days could cop out, been dead and already starting to decay and stink. And he said he, he hopped out of the grave. If a man could do that. Amen at the voice of Jesus. What about when we hear the voice of the word today? Could we not raise up from our dead dogmas and creeds? Could we not raise up out of the dead life of a sinner? Could we not raise up out of the dead life of a cold formal church member and raise up in our seats and say, Lord, I've heard that voice before. Amen. That's the voice of predestination to me. I know that when you speak, I'll answer. Hallelujah. When you speak, I'll answer. That same, amen, that same voice speaks to you today and says your children are going to be saved. That same voice speaks to you today and says you're going to be healed. That same voice speaks to you today and it says you're going to make it. Why don't you acknowledge it like he did and say, Lord, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of my depression. I'm coming out of my fear. I'm coming out of my doldrum. I'm coming out of my, my insecurities. I'm coming out today, Lord. I'm coming out of the tomb. I'm going to believe what you said about me. Yes. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to believe what you said about me. The people said he was dead. Even the human side of Jesus cried with them. But when God spoke, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Yes. What has God said about you? Yes. Oh, my. God said, I'm healed. Yes. The people cried, but God said, I'm healed. Even the human Jesus cried, but God said, Lazarus, come forth. When he went down to the grave of Lazarus, cried. And a woman come to Brother Brown and said that showed he wasn't nothing but a man. Because he had sorrow in his heart. He was a mortal. I said, yes ma'am, I'll agree with you that he cried like a man. When he was going to the grave of Lazarus. But when he stood there in that little frail frame straightened up, said Lazarus come forth. That was more than a mortal there. That was God speaking through his son. Hallelujah. And a man that had been dead four days stood on his feet and lived again. Hallelujah. How else was he a man? The man Christ Jesus was a wounded man. The Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's our sins. What that means is, is that everything that we've done wrong, he was wounded by. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What it would take, in other words, to bring peace with God. With his stripes, we are healed. We've all gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I can't imagine bearing even my own iniquity without the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you hear me this morning. Maybe you don't feel like this, but I can't imagine have to bear the weight of my own iniquity without the blood of Jesus. How could I ever bear the weight of someone else? Some of you struggle. We've been talking about Wednesday nights and with family things. How can I bear the weight? I can't even bear my own. How can I bear the weight of generations past? How can I bear Adam's sin? 
How can I bear the weight of murderers and idolaters and adulterers? All these things. How can I bear the weight of that? I couldn't do it. I can't even bear the weight of my own iniquity. I can't handle it mentally. I've got to believe in the blood. Are you with me now? Are you with me, church? I, 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 I try to live a good life. I, I live for God to the best of my ability. But I can't even handle the weight of what I was before I met him. I hope you're hearing me today. Neither can you. Quit trying to handle it. Let him have it. Because he was strong enough. In his flesh, he bore the iniquity of us all. Yes, sir. And he was wounded by it. He wasn't just wounded by Roman spears. He wasn't just wounded by stripes that they put on his back. But he was wounded by the pain of my sin. The man said in the Garden of Gethsemane, the anointing left him. He had to die as a sinner. He died a sinner. You know that. Not his, not his sins, but mine and yours. That's where that love come in. How he took mine. See, we might be able to do something, and maybe our conscience would become so hardened that it wouldn't prick us anymore like that. Yeah. It just wouldn't bother us like it should. But this was the perfect man who bore the weight of all of our sins. Yes, sir. Oh, my. He said, not his, but mine and yours. That's where that love come in. How he took mine. <laughs> I can rejoice with the prophet where he stood there and rejoiced. He said, how he took mine. Oh, hallelujah. How he took mine. Yes. But in that great crucial hour until he suffered, knowing all things until the water and blood separated in his body in great drops of blood, sweat like blood dropped from his brow, he died more death in Gethsemane than he did on the cross. The Bible says he was in agony and he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was wounded with my sin for me so that I could fulfill Romans 8, 1 where it says there is therefore now no condemnation. How many can say amen to that this morning? There is therefore now, not in the future, but now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. He was wounded for my transgressions. Bore the iniquity of it, the feeling of it, the shame of it. So I wouldn't have to anymore. You go ahead and reject him if you want to. I won't. I hope you hear me today. You young people, someday you'll have an opportunity. You children, someday will have an opportunity. Am I going to accept him or reject him? Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to accept him or reject him? I can go and the world looks so attractive. It looks like I could just be another person. Or I could accept him and live a life as a Christian. What am I going to do? You have to make that decision for yourself. Your mom and dad can't make it for you. You got to make that for yourself. But why don't you just look at who he was and what he did and how he took your sins. And really what you're accepting is freedom. (laughs) And what you're rejecting is bondage. What you're accepting is love. What you're rejecting is hatred. What you're accepting is a real man who came and died, lived and died, but he was more than a man. He was God. What you're accepting is the power to become sons and daughters of God and live free from sin. What you would be rejecting is the world and the things of the world that will lead you down into hell. You don't want that. 
you'll have that opportunity. You may have it today. Just reach out and accept him. Don't be the thief on the, on the right? Be the one that accepted him. Be the one that, that cried out to him, Lord, I know that you don't deserve this, but remember me when you come into my kingdom. Some of us adults need to accept that. We need to accept that he died. He took the shame of our sins and the sins of others. So that we're not obsessed with finding other people's sins. I hope you hear me. As a pastor, sometimes you hear some shocking things. But I have to realize that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The man Christ Jesus was a silent man. I'm closing with this. He was a silent man. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. The Bible says some begin to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him. Saying to him, prophesy. He didn't do it. The servants, that's always just got me. The servants, the slaves, hit him with the palms of their hands. He didn't do nothing to defend himself. In the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto them, Him thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things. You know what it's like to be accused of things you didn't do. They accused him of many things. There's no telling what all they drug up because they were willing to lie. They said, you know, he's always hanging out with prostitutes. He's always going down with publicans. He's, he's always, they tried to accuse him financially. They tried to accuse him morally. And he'd never done anything wrong. But he didn't say a word. It says the pilot asked him, said, don't you have an answer? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled, oh, that we could be silent when we are accused. We are never accusers. Remember that. The accuser of the brethren is Satan. Revelation 12.10. The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That, that one is Satan. We don't identify with him. We don't accuse. The man Christ Jesus died and was buried. He made his grave with the wicked. He was cut off from the land of the living. Hebrews 2.9 says we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Yeah. You may not include me in very many categories, but right there, I'm included. I know you have to, you have to be elected, you have to be prayed. I know all of these things, but if I just take this simple scripture, if I got something in my heart that's willing to believe it, to do that, I have to be the elected of God. I have something to respond to it. If I've got something in my heart that would respond to that, that ought to be enough. Amen. Yes, Just to say, if he tasted death for me, it means I don't have to taste death. Right. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. He took the stinger in himself. Brother Brown said it was like the bee of death. It, it, it began to buzz around him, and it finally stuck the stinger down in him. But when it pulled it out, it was remained in him. Yes, and Paul could cry out, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You don't have the victory over us. We may put our loved ones, Brother Danny, in the ground, but we know that the grave has no victory. Yeah. Right. 
The grave has no victory because death has no sting. And he says the sting of sin is the law. Oh my, the sting of sin is death and, and death comes by the law. And then when the law came and condemned us, but Christ came and set us free, he took away the sting. Amen. And there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation here and no condemnation there. I may go down, Brother Paul, but I'm coming up. Hallelujah. I believe I'll live to see a rapture. I believe that. The Bible said we which are alive and remain. We ought to have that faith to believe that. But if I don't, I'm coming up. Hallelujah. He tasted death for me. When we look at Christ, you see the penalty. The only one, God himself made flesh. God coming to the earth took on him the sin of all of us. The judgment and wrath of Almighty God was poured out upon his body. There it was riven at the cross. That's the real judgment. He treaded the winepress of the wrath of God alone. He walked the road alone. He died with not no help from an angel, from a man, from his church, from his mother, from his brethren, from his father, forsaken by God, man, and nature. He died alone to show us that even nature itself can't help us in the hour of death. There's no friend, no priest, no pope, no pastor at death. But there was one who took it for us. Yes. You believe that today. Yes. Brother Ben, that's too simple. If you don't believe that, you can't receive anything else. Right. No life in the serpent. He was the brass serpent raised on a pole. If you didn't even believe in the New Testament, you ought to be able to see the types of it in his own life. Of the Old Testament revealed in his life. It was absolutely crystallized. That was the penalty. He died until the earth got ashamed of itself. He died until the stars got ashamed. He suffered until the sun wouldn't shine. He suffered till the moon turned off its lights. He suffered till the elements of the earth were so black and dark until it was midnight. So dark you could feel it. No one's ever suffered like that or could suffer like that. There's no mortal could go through it, but he suffered it. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all, and he passed his judgments upon him, and he tread the winepress of the wrath of God alone with no help. There was nothing to help him. God placed the penalty. Everything was under that penalty. Nothing could help him because we're all guilty. There's no high priest could have come helped him. There was nothing could help him. No pope, no angel. Everything stood back and watched him. That was the greatest moment that ever was in the history of the world. He died until there's not one drop of life left in him. He become like the brass serpent, just a crystallized ornament hanging on the cross. Yes. Body was dead. He was dead. But that was not the end. But the Bible tells us the, the man Christ Jesus was a prosperous man. Do you know that? Yeah. Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. But when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He rose from the dead. A man died. The man Brother Brandon said he wasn't a God-man. He was the God-man. The man, the lamb. <laughs> the lamb died in his humanity. Yeah. Crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He went into a grave, mortal. A body that if it had remained there long enough, would have went back to the dust. Yes, sir. That's how much human he was. Yes, sir. Oh, God. If it had laid there long enough to see corruption. But there was a scripture. It said, I will not suffer my Holy One to see corruption. Oh, church. Listen, if you could have been lost, you'd have been lost. 
If you could, if you could backslide, if you could go back, if you could not be the bride, you would not be the bride. But there's a, there's a word that said this end time bride will not fall. He'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle, washing the blood of the Lamb. Do you believe that today? Amen. Do you really believe it? He believed the word that was written about him, written by a backslid preacher, by the way. A backslid preacher wrote it and said, and, and said, Thou not suffer my holy one to see corruption. But he recognized it as the word of God. And he spoke. He didn't stop there. The spirit of Jesus left. He goes down into hell. You all know the story. He goes down into hell. He was the mighty conqueror. When that soul descended, he descended down into hell. And Satan heard him knocking on the door. And he said, we finally got him. We proved he was just a man. But no, you haven't got me. I've got you. Hallelujah. Don't you realize we can say the same thing in our trials? In the darkest moments of our lives, in the moment when it seemed like everything is going wrong, we can reach out and say, Satan, you don't have me. I got you. Because I serve a risen Savior. I serve the one who went down and knocked on the gates of hell. And when he did, he went down into that place and he preached to those who didn't repent in the days of Enoch. You remember, he took the keys from the devil, kicked him back down where he belonged, and he rose up. He come up to paradise. He knocked on the doors of paradise. And here come, here come Abraham and begin to look at him and said, Sarah, that's the one we saw. And Ezekiel said, that's the one, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. And the prophets looked at him and said, that's him. He proved who he was, and he come back up and picked up that human body. Right. Showed himself to his disciples. For 40 days in a theophany form. And then he raised up that glorified body into the heavens. Amen. Sit at the right hand of God. To make atonement as a lamb for you and me. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? There is one God. One mediator between God and man. The man. Christ Jesus. The God part could not be the mediator. Are you hearing me today? The God part, but it was the anointed man who became the mediator for our sins. Who died. God couldn't die. But the man, Christ Jesus, is the mediator between us and a holy God. I know that the people I preach to, most of you are Christians. And, but maybe, maybe there would be someone here today that you've just never really acknowledged who he is. You're going to have to acknowledge it at some point. You've got to recognize that the man Christ Jesus is your mediator. We've been preaching about a rapture and some of these things that are wonderful. We've been preaching about how to break the cycle in your family and things that have gone on. These other brothers have preached wonderful sermons. But you don't get to avail of any of that. You don't get to be a part of any of that unless you've accepted him as your savior, as your mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. Not just any man, but the God-man. If you've never accepted him, if you've never really 
really giving him all your all. If you've never been like that thief on the cross and hung there and said, now I understand. I understand. I'm not going to gripe. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to put it off on somebody else. I'm not going to complain about what went on in my family, what goes on with the church. I'm going to, Lord, I know that you don't deserve to be here. But I do, Lord. I deserve all the guilt and all the shame. But you took it from me. So I'm not going to carry it anymore. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Could you do that today? Would you just do that? Just talk to him. Lord, I believe you can do that right at your seat. You're welcome to come to the altar. You want to come. It's a good place to pray. But if you've never talked to him, would you just talk to him? Say, Lord, help me to see you. Help me to understand you. Not by book knowledge, but by surrendering myself on the cross. Help me to be completely surrendered so that I can accept you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe some that are watching today that couldn't be here this morning. I know there's several that are watching. I pray that this morning that if you've not accepted Him today, that you would do the same thing right where you're sitting. Maybe you're driving your car. Maybe you're sitting there. You say, Lord, I, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you're my Savior. I believe, Lord, and therefore I surrender everything that I am to you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in this solemn moment. Lord, and I know that there are prayers being prayed. Lord, maybe some of these folks are thinking about their loved ones. Lord, maybe have not accepted you. But Lord, your power is not limited to the four walls of a church building. Oh God, would you help them to recognize, Lord, that by giving up to you, they're not giving up a good life for a bad one. But they're giving up heartache for joy. They're taking off the garment of heaviness and putting on the spirit of praise. I pray that you grant that today, Lord. I pray for each one of these folks here today, these children, these young people, these old people, Lord. They've never really surrendered themselves to you. Would they do it right now, Lord? I pray that they would. I pray that, Lord, that you just reach down and convict them, Lord. And Bring about, may the word begin to bring about a, a stirring in their lives. Lord, maybe there's some of us that have kind of, kind of lost sight of what the man Christ Jesus took for our, us. It just become common to us. We've gotten cold and we've gotten, Lord, to the point where we don't stir us anymore. Oh God, help me today. I don't want to get to a point, Lord, where I don't, where I can't be stirred by what you did for me in that body as a man. Oh Lord, would you help us today? Maybe there's some dealing with condemnation of some sort or another of what they've done or what someone else has done. Lord, help them not to carry the sin. They don't have to. Lord, if there was a great burden that I didn't have to carry, I wouldn't carry it. Lord, may it be so spiritually as well. May we not carry the condemnation for our sin or even the sins of others. May we point them to the cross. May we not go around looking for things and digging things up but Lord may we be a people of God who point people always to Calvary always to Calvary no matter what anybody else says no matter what anybody else does when the world's falling apart and the, and the government's gone insane oh God help us to point a dying world to Calvary to see what you did for us there we thank you for that today I pray that you'd bring about a work a mighty work in the lives of these people 
Lord, that they would be resurrected into your kingdom. Lord, that those that are cold would be on fire. Those that are sick would be healed. Lord, that we could rejoice and worship the man Christ Jesus. God in flesh. What you did for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
prophet, priest, and king, the mighty God is he, the well of living water free. Let's talk about Jesus, the Prince of 